Fifty States of Terror may include descriptions and discussions unsuitable for young audiences. Episodes may contain adult themes, language, and content. Listener discretion is advised. This is Kansas, the Whopper Hopper. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fifty States of Terror. Thank you all for listening again. And we are so glad that you came to listen to us today because tomorrow is a very special day. Today is a very special day. Today is a very special day. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, we're a little late recording this one. We're actually recording this uh, the night before because I love me a good deadline challenge. Yeah, yeah. And but when this comes out, it will be Sunday, which is... Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mother and mother figures that listen. Yes, and happy Mother's Day to you. Oh, I thank you. Yeah, I love you. Oh, you're so cute. <laughs> so today we did debate. We were talking about whether we were going to cover some cryptid, mo- like some monster mothers, some cryptid mothers. But I feel like we couldn't really find a lot that was credible. Yeah, because we would just make jokes on how a mother would you know be like like how does a sasquatch mother discipline her sasquatch child (laughs) (laughs) well there's a netflix movie now about a a half bigfoot child oh the animated one yeah yeah it's um that's interspecies erotica i'm not here for it it's a human and a bigfoot no thank you (laughs) um and you know happy mother's day to all the fur moms out there too you may hear a little bit from one of our very grumpy dogs who just needs all the attention at the moment. Yeah. But we see you for our mamas. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to you too. <laughs> We're going to get straight to Kansas. Kansas. Okay, now you are from that area. I'm from Missouri. Right. Um, which is Kansas' neighbor. And I said I was going to talk all this craziness about Kansas. I really don't think I'm going to. Like, It's kind of a friendly rivalry. There is some history there. I think I'm going to save the trash talk for a detour episode. (laughs) So um, if you're a Patreon member every other week when we don't have a public episode, we do have a detour episode where we get to go off on whatever tangent we want. Yeah. And if you're not a Patreon member, just look us up. You know, even if you don't want to, you know, uh, contribute on Patreon, just, you know, go on there and and see like all the stuff that, that that you could be missing. Be like, you know what? I mean... It's not that much, but, you know, it does, you know, it. it's cool just to hear us do our little banters and do our and little size. And we post, like, little extra updates. Like, <laughs> I posted some hints this week for what our upcoming cryptid was. Yeah. I usually will, like, share an early peek of the cryptid encounter or something like that. Like, we always try and give little extras. And also, we, we like giving presents. We've sent out surprise Patreon little goodies. We've sent out koozies. Um, I've got a super cute golden Nessie stamp, a a letter seal that I put on these latest letters that went out. And our highest Patreon supporter is going to get a personalized story written by me. And the topic is Sasquatch at a drag show. By her request. By her request. And, And that's what you get. You get a specialized request on whatever you want me to write. You know, if you want it. Horror, comedy, you want a sci-fi-ish, and the topic, it's all yours. And this is this is my gift to you. Thank you very much for, for contributing. And who knows, you know, maybe one day when I do become a very famous, you know, established 
author, that, you know, story might be worth something on eBay. It, it might be. <laughs> now, my contribution to it is I make, as of right now, I make all the merch that we have sold and that we have gifted out as giveaways. Mm-hmm. And every, or after three months, after three months of that golden Nessie status, they actually get a larger merch item. So they're going to get like a t-shirt or a hat or something like that. And it's going to have our, um, our insignia, our logo on it. Yep. And we just like sending out swag. So we did skip the encounter this week. We, I probably could have put something out there for you, but we were definitely going with quality over quantity. So I put all my time into the research on this one and we've had some voice actors reach out to us. And we may be getting some uh, new voices in our cryptid encounters. Oh, I've got some little things going on behind the scenes that I, I try not to bring out until they're uh, until they're confirmed. So we do have some stuff in the works. We're really excited. We've got our guest spots coming up, which has also been a little distracting and kind of taking away from like, okay, we're going to do this. But I'm so excited for what's coming. So we're going to get into Kansas now. So Kansas is in the Midwest. It is the neighbor of my home state, Missouri. 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 Half the population does say Missouri, in case you were curious. (laughs) The state of Kansas is the very center of the 48 states, so it really is the heartland of the U.S. Kansas was named after the Kansas River, which was named after the Kansas tribe that lived in this area. There were a lot of different tribes that lived in this area, and we had two distinct types. We had the ones in western Kansas that lived in the valleys. Uh, They lived on the banks of the rivers. And then we had these nomad tribes that were more central and to the east and they would actually travel with the bison have a mental like conjuring of what i imagine tribes to be like especially in the midwest and the imagery i've seen i picture more of that nomadic tribe but we're going to be focusing a little bit more on the western half of kansas we don't have a lot of native history with this one this one has its own it's its own bubble of things i've got a a whole timeline that we're going to go over But I'm really excited. We are discussing giant grasshoppers. Yeah, we are. (laughs) It's not something I ever thought we would have a conversation about. But the Whopper Hopper is a huge grasshopper. Yeah. And the first time I have ever seen this thing is when I was, let's see, maybe eight or nine years ago. And I was really starting getting back into monsters and cryptids and things like that. This is before I wrote the book and I saw a picture of a hunter and it held a giant grasshopper by the hind legs as if it was a giant rabbit or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the picture just looks amazing. I loved it. And I was like, I'm, I'm sold. I'm, I'm back into this thing. (laughs) It is, it looks, it looks fantastic it looks awesome now i know the exact picture that uh that you're talking about so that was actually taken in miles city montana and if you look a little closer at that picture the grasshopper doesn't have a shadow right right, which is something we're going to talk about we're going to start with the beginning of what caused the story to happen okay are you ready let's do this we're going to do a history dive the whopper hopper So our story is actually going to start in the Civil War. So during the Civil War, we had the Homestead Act of 1862. Have you heard of it? Uh, No. The Homestead Act of 1862 provided settlers with 160 acres of land for free 
It was public land that was in the Midwest area, provided that they never took arms against the United States of America. So a little caveat there during the Civil War, like, hey, you never fought against the U.S.? Here's 160 acres. Go make your life. Really? Yeah. Now, this was followed up by the Kincaid Act, which was an amendment to that one. And it granted 640 acres of western Nebraska to similar people. This kind of elaborated on that got... It was really undesirable land anyway. So they were just kind of like giving it away. Like, hey, go west. Hey, go west. Wait, two people who did not fight against the U.S. in the Civil War? Mm-hmm. They don't specifically say in the Civil War. They just say you can never have taken arms against the U.S. And you were a citizen, then you could take this pro-offered property. Wow. So the final one of this little grouping was the Enlarged Homestead Act of 1909. This was another grant for people who qualified. They could go out. So this is really like where those land lotteries and those land grabs are coming in. Actually, one of my uh, ancestors, I don't know how far back you have to go before their ancestors, her brother had to claim the property because she as a woman did not qualify to own this property. Hmm. But her number was drawn in the lottery and her brother had to come over and claim it. And that's how my family ended up like in Oklahoma before they traveled like north to Missouri. Oh. So that's where we're starting. Now, why are we starting there? To start there, we have to go just a little bit further back where we learn about manifest destiny. Do you know this term? Yeah. Okay. So manifest destiny is the concept that it is the divine will of God that we travel west Basically take over all of North America, <laughs> spread our democracy, destroy everything in its way, and spread <laughs> the supremacy of our government. Everyone's moving west. They're like, hey, you want some property? Here's some property. These people don't know what they're doing, first of all. They, a lot of these people aren't farmers. These are opportunities for them to go and for them to take over this area. And yes, this was a big reason why a lot of native tribes were moved they were taken from their lands. We occupied those lands. We took them over and then we gave them away to other people. So there's a lot of grossness that goes on with that. I'm sure we're going to get into that on another episode, but we're going to jump straight into the farming practices. So if we fast forward into the 1910s and the 1920s. 1910s, so World War One. Okay, World War One is going on. Very good. This also increases the wheat prices. See, any any military, I'm like, yeah, 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 I know that. So we've got food prices are through the roof, right? So wheat prices, we're having to depend on Europe now. We're having to import food when we have all this land and like all these farmers are moving out there. It's not coming to fruition yet. Now, there is a superstition in the farming community at this time, and it didn't really seem important when I... I've heard it before, never really knew why this was important. There was a superstition that the rain would follow the plow. Now, there were religious leaders, there were politicians, there were scientists that all thought if we plowed this area, we could change the meteorological... The ecosystem. We could change all of it. We just had to plow the fields. We had to get this going. And the earth would know that we are trying to grow something and it would start raining. (laughs) Okay. That did not happen. Because why would that happen? <laughs> this is back when doctors were still in the phase of like, you've got ghosts in your blood, do cocaine about it. Yeah. Or, or like, hey, l- l- let me put a leech on you to suck out all the bad. Yeah. All, all the, the ickies. They are taking everything out of the ground. We are tilling and we're tilling and we're upturning the soil and there's no rain. And there's still no rain. 
all these farmers have moved here, or all these people who aren't farmers and are now farmers are in this area. We have expanded for Manifest Destiny. We are here. World War One, full swing. Depression is incoming, but not everybody knows it yet. So the stock market crashes. The world is fragile. And with so many people barely keeping their head above water, they suddenly find themselves high and dry. <laughs> Very dry. Like there's a drought. 1931 rolls in and the rain is not coming. They've plowed their fields. The rain's not here. They plowed some more. The rain is gone. This was the beginning of the Dust Bowl. So by 1934, 35 million acres was deemed unsuitable for farming. Yeah. Okay, there's another 125 million acres that was completely losing all of its topsoil. And I saw something that it changed the way that I pictured those numbers because you can't fathom how big that really is. That's three quarters of the size of Texas was just no longer in service for farming. Yeah, dead lands. Yeah, absolutely. So mind boggling. That is such a large. I can't even fathom how big Texas is. And we live here. Like, that's just so much space. Why do we need to know all that in order to get to grasshoppers? Because these pictures that are coming out, these postcards, they sold what the photographer said, they sold like hotcakes. So in a time where people are not working, they don't have crops, they have no money, the economy is in the toilet. They're like, hell yes, get me one of them grasshopper postcards. (laughs) Why, though? (laughs) So this is a confirmed hoax. I do want to go ahead and just assure our listeners at home, we are not saying that this grasshopper is in any way real, but it is a common hoax. Well, I I am. Anthony Diaz. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So these... Postcards are happening everywhere. The one that you brought up where the gentleman is holding it like it's a rabbit. That is one of the most famous ones. So that one was actually circulating on Facebook a couple years ago, I think it was. Actually, did you know Snopes is still around? No shit. I was looking up research. I thought that was a dead website. I did too, but it's still up. It's still active. I spent so much time on Snopes when I was younger. Like when I first got like unbridled access to the internet i had so many questions and snopes answered all of them i haven't used snopes in so long like it it was it was one of those things to where i only use snopes when i was trying to defend my argument oh that's called confirmation bias you can't do that (laughs) so but snopes is actually they they do link to credible websites so i thought it was funny that i ended up there but it actually led me to like a really really cool official document like a government page kind of backing up some of those answers. We were seeing all of these postcards showing up. They were in Oklahoma. They were in Montana. They were in Colorado. We focus on Kansas specifically for one town, and it's Garden City, Kansas. Garden City. Garden City. There's a Garden City, Missouri, too. And shout out to the one person who probably knows it. I, I think they were just trying to copycat Missouri. <laughs> That's just you my, know, maybe. That's just my opinion. Maybe. <laughs> It's possible. Hey, they got one. Let's do one, too. (laughs) So I have a quote from the Kansas Historical Society. This is in regard to Frank D. Pop Connard. So Pop is his nickname. So that's the the air quote in the middle. Frank D. Pop Connard. Connard says, The idea came to me after a flight of grasshoppers swarmed into Garden City, attracted by the lights. But it was impossible to fill an automobile gasoline tank at the filling stations that night. 
I went home to sleep, but awoke at 3 a.m. and all I could think about was grasshoppers. By morning, I had the idea of having fun with the grasshoppers. I took my picture and superimposed the hoppers with the humans. I didn't do it for adverse impressions of Kansas, but as an exaggerated joke. And then he continued to print these hopper whoppers until his retirement in the 1960s. Oh, wow. So this started in the 30s. And for 30 years, this gentleman was superimposing grasshoppers in with people to make them look like they had these giant grasshoppers in Kansas. Now, for those who don't know what superimposing pictures does... it basically just adds another photo on top of another photo. This practice was also used uh, in horror films, horror type pictures, where if you wanted to depict a ghost behind somebody or, or what have you, you can superimpose a lighter image onto it. And then it gives the effect that there's something there. Yeah. And we've got different different renditions of it so there's also double exposure where you show the film twice and so that way it kind of imposes that image on there yeah so specifically what pop was doing what mr connard was doing was he was using a wide angle camera and taking a picture of all the people and then he was using a narrow lens to get this really really close up but clear photo and then was cutting and putting it on top and creating a new photo and then you know effectively scanning it as a new image And it's done really, really well. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I want to see what this guy could do uh, with, like, Adobe today. If this is what his, you know, he was living in year 2000. In the 30s, he was doing it. In the 30s. So, Connard goes on to explain, they say pictures don't lie, but from the sale of these postcards, the fastest selling novelty cards on the market, it seems that people in Kansas like a little funny untruth. I want to maybe think that it was kind of like in a, their version of ex- escapism getting these postcards be, and be like oh yeah you know life kind of sucks right now but i have this funny postcard <laughs> right because so you described the one where he's holding it up like a rabbit pop's most famous photo is three gentlemen wrestling with a grasshopper and like i said they're all throughout the midwest some people would even like build large wooden grasshoppers and they would pose with them so this is pretty similar to what we see when we see things like the jackalope which anthony also believes exists oh yeah it does so these these similar hoax and even really similar times if i remember correctly it was just funny and people enjoyed it and then of course you do have some naive people who are like oh there's a picture it must be real i saw it on the internet that's a real abe lincoln quote It doesn't matter. People are going to believe what they want to believe. But grasshoppers actually were a really big problem here during this time as well. Yeah, especially during the the Depression and and the Dust Bowl. They were almost compared to like a biblical locust. Well, yeah, grasshoppers are, I mean, it it is a biblical style plague. And as Pop was describing, the entire town was covered in them one night. And I found the wildest article. It's in Colorado, not in Kansas, but they're neighbors. So they're like, I feel like Missouri is probably the uptight neighbor and Colorado's the stoner neighbor. Okay, so Missouri is like the Karen. And no, Kansas is the Karen. Kansas is the Karen. I don't Karen. care if you're from Kansas, you can be mad, but I've been. <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen it. And then Colorado is like the, the stoner neighbor yeah. who's like blaring Pink Floyd. While yeah, just like blazing like every morning. Like, 
Woo! Rocky Mountain High <laughs> all the time. But this story is going to be from Centennial. Are you familiar with Centennial, Colorado? Uh, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I know where it's at. <laughs> okay, I don't. I had to look it up. So this is going to happen before the rains come back. So we're still in the Dust Bowl. The rains didn't start coming back until 1939. So almost a decade, we were having these black storm clouds, these huge storms roll in. People were referring to these storms as they would come in as black blizzards. It was the complete opposite of a snowstorm. It was hot. It was dry. It's all dust. It's everywhere. I feel like I read a lot of books that had to do with the Dust Bowl growing up, but I don't know if that's just because of the area I'm from, but I have this vivid imagery that goes with it. This is happening in Colorado, though. Now, there was a notation that there was going to be a really high grasshopper population the following year, which first, I didn't know people were keeping that close of track, but in this instant... Well, it was probably from the Department of Agriculture. It probably, probably very well was. Now, we've got a couple different organizations in play here because we have the Works Progress Administration, the WPA, and the Civilian Conservation Corps, the CCC. Now, both of these were created to give jobs to the jobless in this time of depression. Okay. So we're going to see both of those working on this solution, but this article is going to come directly from the National Guard. So this was a National Guard response for bugs. (laughs) That's going to tell you how bad it's about to get. So these entomologists had spotted a large number of eggs in the region. They thought that they'd maybe been carried from Texas because the winds were so strong and just whipping through. So now we have like a a weird flux because that's not where their normal migration is. We have this surplus of grasshopper eggs that are noted. And then they start hatching the following year. I want you to give me a number. How many grasshoppers do you think are going to be in this story? I would say about in the millions. Okay. Okay. That's a good guess. They start hatching June 1937. Everything is covered. This entire town is covered. We're talking about 10 square miles, give or take, is covered in bugs. And World War II is going on right now, too. World War II is going on. So the governor is even quoted as saying that some people are making jokes out of the fact that the National Guard was called in service to help fight the grasshopper plague. But it is one of the most serious situations that ever confronted Colorado, and I only wish I had more trucks and equipment that could have been thrown into this war on these insects. So these insects, as they hatch, they can't fly yet, but they are very, very hungry. They should have made that book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Oh, out of grasshoppers? It should have been grasshoppers. (laughs) They were eating fence posts. They were eating any kind of material that was left out. They were eating the hair off of the cattle in the area. There was only one type of plant that they weren't eating. And if they had done that, it would have been a completely barren landscape. So what do we do? How do we kill grasshoppers? Fire. They brought in (laughs) flamethrowers. They brought in TNT and they complained because when they used the explosives, the grasshoppers just kind of jumped around a little bit and then went on their business again. They were in full on war with these things. And then they discovered we could just poison them, right? We can just poison. If we poison them, then they die. We'll We'll be fine. So they created a concoction using bran. For every sack, they would have four sacks of sawdust, a half a sack of bran, two gallons of sodium arsenite, eight ounces of, I believe it's amyl acetate, and 15 gallons of water, and then two gallons of molasses. So we've made it sweet, we've made it attractive to them, and we've made it very, very deadly. 
Okay. So deadly that actually some of the workers ended up getting really, really sick because it's fucking arsenic. Well, I was just about to say, it's like, yeah, this is before like any like, like hardcore safety protocols were put into place. (laughs) But there were a couple things that they did put into motion here. Now, for every one sack of this poison that they made, they could fill up six sacks of dead grasshoppers. But they were a little concerned because we we aren't great with the environment now, but like we are making progress, like we're learning things. Well, they were really concerned about the migration that might happen after they poison everything. Like, where's this poison going to end up? I mean, you've got other things that are going to be eating the dead grasshoppers, things like that. So they brought in crop dusters and filled them with paint and painted the entire area. So all the grasshoppers were then painted and then any that escaped or any that survived, they would know came from this apocalyptic zone of grasshoppers. Okay. Paint them all. Then they disperse the poison. Some of the workers get very, very ill. I didn't see any that died, but severely ill. And all the grasshoppers were just falling. And now the entire place is covered in grasshopper carcass. Yeah. And then they found some 175 miles away that were painted. And I cannot imagine. But what really blew my mind with this story. So you guess there might have been like in the millions, you said? Yeah, yeah. So in this 10 square miles, at one point, a gentleman dropped his hat to see how many would have landed in his hat. And he counted 246 in his hat alone. There were 6 billion grasshoppers in 10 square miles. Now, if that doesn't scream like... Let's just get the hell out of here. (laughs) I don't know what does. Like, if the church was not full that Sunday, mistakes were made. This was a biblical plague. (laughs) This was too much. This is too much. This is just one of the craziest military stories that I've heard, especially for being like on American soil. That's like, oh, yeah, call the National Guard. They'll come take care of your grasshoppers. (laughs) That's insane. That's nuts. And you kind of got to wonder, like, what steps led up to that right there, you know? Right. Like what in 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 my in my head, you know, you go from point A to point, you know, Z, we got, you know, uh the inexperienced people coming from the east going into into the west. We have the industrial revolution happening that's pushing up all the pollution up into the air. It's moving west. You you don't know uh, a lot about the the history of the the land yet uh we don't have a farmer's almanac to to see like what's happening you have you know a drought and then this happens it's like okay maybe we fucked up somewhere <laughs> it's like what the fuck happened somewhere there were there were choices that were made <laughs> and it's it really is sad because with with some of the farmers, you know that they all didn't have malicious intent. Some of them really were going out there with a great American promise that we're going to go west and it's going to be amazing. And we're going to be able to set up for our family. And we're going to have a homestead. Like there were some really great things that were in the works. But unfortunately, we didn't have the knowledge that we needed. And the people that did have the knowledge didn't apply it properly. There's a lot of even like mysticism that's still happening at this point. Like this is such an I think it's an interesting time, especially in American history, because it really is going like you brought up the Industrial Revolution. Like we're going from, you know, having our horse drawn carriages to 
it's not really that many years until we're on the moon. Yeah, I think, um, let's see, it, there was a 50-year span between having a functional war machine that was primitive, like the, like the first tank or whatever. Like it was 19, uh, I think in 1909, I think it was. And it was just this this, this metal contraption with, with a gun. And then you jump, We now we're, we're flying now we're we have cars and then guess what we're in a moon yeah we're doing space travel so this is this is right in the middle of that and so we've got we've got mysticism of kind of like these old wives tale or these superstitions that the rain's going to come after we plow like we're learning which ones aren't real and we are having to learn the hard way unfortunately and we completely wrecked havoc we took out all these natural things we made it all flat we made the soil loose and then unfortunately, I mean, droughts happen. You can't even, you can't predict a drought like that. A, a one that is that substantial that's going to last eight years. Right. And you also can't predict the stock market. So this was just a perfect storm, like a dust bowl storm. And you really kind of have to give it to the people that found something that was enjoyable, something that made them money. I mean, this 100% is a hoax, but this was probably my favorite thing to research so far. I think I've said that a couple times, but this one really was like, I'm looking at all these funny pictures, and I'm going to be posting these pictures on our Facebook throughout the week, so you guys can see some of these uh, crazy grasshoppers. My favorite one is of a giant grasshopper, and there's a little kid, and he has a cowboy hat on, and he's riding in like a a Bronco. Uh Uh, That was just just hilarious. I, I love that one. That was funny. But yeah, I remember seeing that picture a very long time ago and thinking to myself, like, holy shit, that <laughs> is insane. If you had told me that that was an Australian cricket, I would have believed you. So speaking of Australia, uh, do you know that that is where the largest known grasshopper resides? But they only get to be like three inches. Three and a half inches. Th- yeah, the females are three and a half inches. The males are a little bit smaller. But yeah, I do. I did know. I know everything. Yeah. It's a good thing you married me. Jesus. <laughs> you better tell me Happy Mother's Day again. <laughs> it was sweet when you did that. <laughs> but yeah, that is the largest grasshopper known. And three and a half inches of a bug that's flying at, at you, that's, that can be very terrifying too. The next species of grasshopper that is be- below the one in Australia that is uh, not the biggest but like comes in second place uh, do come in swarms, and uh, the Chinese population eat them because they taste like uh, chicken. Huh. Yeah. I feel like everyone says that bugs taste like chicken. I've eaten crickets, and they did not taste like chicken. I've eaten scorpions, and they do not taste like chicken. I feel like that's the, I'm a badass, everything tastes like chicken. It tastes <laughs> like what you cook it in. If you're not cooking with spices, and you're not cooking your chicken with spices, it's not my fault that everything you eat is bland. Hey, but that is the protein of the future. It's going to be bugs. It's going to be bugs, and it's going to be, are mushrooms high in fiber? I don't know. I said fiber. We're talking protein. Doesn't even matter. I don't know. I want to say that there's a fungus that was really high in protein. Um, Well, if you're vegan, or if you rely on other than meat for protein, uh, let us know how you get your protein (laughs) at 50 States of Terror on Facebook, (laughs) at 50 States Terror on Twitter, or on our Patreon at 50 States of Terror. Yay, yay. All right, well, let's just go into rating our cryptid. Oh, yeah. 
So we do a rating system here. If this is your first time listening, we go one to five golden Nessies, one being the lowest and five being the highest. I personally give this a five out of five because I do believe. <laughs> I give this a five out of five because I absolutely don't believe and I think hoaxes are hilarious. So And this is really well done. It was. It was well done. I, I've knocked other ones in the past because there weren't enough photos or there wasn't enough evidence. There's a plethora of these. And it's funny because it's Mother's Day. I was actually talking to my mother earlier today about recording this episode because she, sorry, she knows before Patreon does. If you if you want to upgrade to mom status, it's a lot more expensive. But my mom was saying, oh, yeah, the grasshoppers on the postcards. And because apparently that was just something that everybody knew, like maybe my not not my generation, but she instantly knew she didn't know it as a whopper hopper, but she knew about the giant grasshoppers on the famous postcards in the right, area. Right, right. So uh, happy Mother's Day to her. Thank you for that contribution, Mom. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> and with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. I hope that you learned something from this one. Yeah, I hope you are a little more educated educated let us know if you like the history i've been diving a little bit more trying to find like some hard facts give you some information about the state if this is stuff that you like if you kind of like the direction this is going drop us a message leave us a comment on facebook however you want to reach out to us we love hearing from people it really does make our day and is the absolute best way that you can support us as always thank you so much for checking us out at 50 states of terror next week will be our off week we put out two a month but in those off weeks you can join us on patreon for a special detour episode and we've been doing those live we stream them so you get to see our faces and our voices together yep um if you're interested in that that's available at any tier so even starting at a coffee a month for cheaper than your coffee you can just drop us a dollar there that gets you a whole extra content last week I think we nerded out on Star Trek. Yeah. (laughs) We were talking about Iowa, which became, you know, that's where James Tiberius Kirk was born. Yeah. And so then we went on a whole thing about Star Trek and the technology from Star Trek and how it's affected real world development of technology. So I think it's fun. You can hear us unedited (laughs) and live. And I think we're funnier that way. So we hope to see you there. If not, we'll see you back here in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Do you need more 50 States of Terror? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. You can find us on Facebook, Patreon, and Instagram at 50 States of Terror. Now that's 50 States of Terror. And on Twitter at 50 States Terror. Without the of, you know, because of the character limit. (laughs) We'll see you there. Yeah, you will. 50 States of Terror is a Housecraft production. This episode was researched, written, and presented by Anthony and Kaylee Diaz.